Star Wars 7x7 episode 2639. We're continuing our series of looks at Star Wars visions. Today it is Tatooine Rhapsody. This is episode two and we are enhancing that discussion with insights from the filmmakers featurette that accompanies the episode. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. Thank you so much for joining me for it. So, as with yesterday with the duel and going forward, we'll do this as well. I'm going to focus on five top takeaways from the episode in question. And as I said at the top, we'll weave in some insights from the filmmakers and other background material as well as it comes up. And I want to start off with this. The first takeaway I have is that for a short that is supposed to be, I think, you know, one of the fluffiest ones in the mix, right? I mean, there are serious ones, there are heavy action-oriented ones, and this one is definitely lighter in its feel and composition, and yet it's also one of the most power-packed ones in terms of the English dub cast and its star power. First of all, we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is probably better known for roles in movies like Inception and The Dark Knight Rises and 50-50 and a host of others, but was also slow and low in The Last Jedi. Bobby Moynihan, who's been doing voices for Star Wars for a while now, was in Resistance and is in Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. And of course, Tamora Morrison, who is the voice of Boba Fett and who played Jango Fett in the prequel trilogy, right? You know, Tamora. And I would say that, you know, those three, even Tamora Morrison at this point, and, you know, having played Boba Fett in The Mandalorian, like, are probably known outside the world of Star Wars. But there are a couple of very significant names that are known really mostly to Star Wars fans if, you know, they're into that sort of thing. And they are, for example, Mark Thompson, who is is primarily known as an audiobook narrator and then Shelby Young who does a lot of voices for Star Wars animation and in particular she's been the voice of Princess Leia in a variety of things. So yeah this may be just you know kind of a light thing about a rock band but they got a lot of interesting people <laughs> involved in this one to be sure. And my second top takeaway is about just the theme of this particular story as expressed by the filmmakers. And I'll be honest, I don't know how well that theme really got through. So basically the story revolves around this character, Geezer the Hutt, who is voiced by Bobby Moynihan. And Boba Fett comes to take Geezer back to Jabba because Geezer has left the Hutt clan, left the Hutt family because he doesn't want to be a part of the crime syndicate. He just wants to rock. He wants to be in a rock and roll band. And so the theme as expressed is supposed to be about being able to, you know, create your own destiny and leave your old life behind and forge a new path for yourself. But there's a connection that's trying to be drawn to Jay, who is the lead singer and guitarist for the band. And Jay is a former Jedi Padawan, presumably, might have been even a young, depending on the age from when he's rescued at the beginning of the story. And the way, oh, by the way, we are in spoiler territory for this, in case you haven't figured that out yet. Um, so there's your ample warning <laughs> right there. So the way that we're supposed to see that Jay makes the transition, I believe, is the fact that he has a lightsaber, but he eventually turns it into a microphone. And so that's his you know, sign of fully committing. But you don't get the idea that he had really 
had a struggle abandoning his Jedi life, right? Like he was escaping from battle droids and happened to, you know, fall off the edge of, you know, a high place and landed on this uh, ship thing where Geezer was and Geezer kind of rescued him, which is terrific and wonderful. And yes, Jay held on to his lightsaber, but in the fall, it you know, was presumably damaged. And when Boba Fett comes to get Geezer, Jay doesn't want to let Geezer go and is ready to stand up to Boba Fett with his lightsaber, flicks it on and nothing happens. It just shorts out and that's why Boba Fett doesn't kill him right where he's standing. But whereas we get a moment to hear, you know, Geezer talking about his history and talking to Boba Fett saying, I don't want to go back. That's not the life for me. We don't really get anything like that from Jay. The story basically just cuts to him being older and now the lead singer of this band. And yet they are in dire straits because apparently this is the third attempt that Boba Fett has made to grab Geezer and they've managed to thwart him a couple of times. But you don't get the idea that it's because of any Jedi particulars or any force related particulars. So, yeah, I feel like it just doesn't necessarily carry through to Jay strongly enough for me to you know make the easy you know, equation or you know equality between uh, Geezer's story and Jay's story. As a third takeaway though, what I will say was very successful is the fact that they identify core themes of Star Wars, in particular the notion of the found family. And that's something that is very strong in the things that you will do for your found family. And through that, they you know, figured that as long as you have core things like that that are very much Star Wars and that reflect the heart of what Star Wars is, you can pretty much build any kind of story on top of that in any genre like this crazy rock opera and it works and it's because Star Wars itself is practically a genre in its own right right now and so now you can layer on these other genres and it still you know has the heart and soul and feel of Star Wars and some of these common themes. So yes, 40 odd years down the line, we're now at a point where Star Wars can have a rock opera layered over it and can have it layered over the, you know, the skeleton and the bones and the muscle of all of Star Wars with established characters being involved in the mix. And certainly I would say the involvement of Boba Fett and later of Jabba the Hutt is done in such a way as to, you know, not really mess with them in terms of our existing perception of those characters, right? They participate in the story just enough to give you the flavor of them and for them to still be the characters that we recognize and yet to still create an entirely different type of story from anything we've seen before. All right, as for a fourth takeaway, let's talk about homages. It's definitely focused more on, I would say, original trilogy with prequel trilogy thrown in. So certainly the setup of that final concert has a very Boonta Eve pod race vibe to it. Like maybe, you know, it's a concert that's kicking off <laughs> the big pod race or, you know, even afterward it's, you know, festivities going on. But it is taking place on Tatooine and there are Tatooine records references that definitely get out of prequel era stuff. Like for example, they go to the infamous cantina and Fingrin Dan and the modal nodes are sitting in a booth watching a holographic version of the performance. And that was a really fun little wink and a nod. 
And then, of course, there's just the fact that, you know, if there's any character in Star Wars who is a particular fan of music, it would have to be Jabba the Hutt in terms of movie characters, right? So you would have to go to, say, Chas and Chaddock in the Alphabet Squadron novels for somebody in the novel situation. But for live action and for, you know, movies, Jabba the Hutt is definitely our music connoisseur. And so having something that involves him and music it makes a whole lot of sense. And then, you know, we kind of tie in a little bit to Revenge of the Sith with the fact that Jay is being chased by, you know, presumably clone troopers and there are dead battle droids and dead clone troopers and so Order 66 must just happened at the beginning of this particular short. And speaking of Order 66 survivors, there seems to be a nod to Obi-Wan Kenobi in this because there's a moment where you hear the rock song playing and they cut to a little hut in the desert on the middle of nowhere and there's a little smoke coming up from a chimney stack on a thing. I'm pretty darn sure that's Obi-Wan Kenobi's hut. You know, they don't have like an old guy sticking his head out going, ah, who's making that noise or anything? But I mean, I can't think of anyone else whose hut that could be. And that leads us to a fifth and final takeaway. So if this were actually to exist on a canon timeline, where might it exist? And so I would say, first of all, Jabba's alive, so that means it has to happen before Return of the Jedi, right? And the fact that we're seeing Obi-Wan's hut actually pushes it even earlier because Obi-Wan's hut was destroyed not long after the events of A New Hope. That's something that happened in the comics. And then on you know the other side, on the early side, the very beginning of it starts with Order 66 being implemented. So we know that Revenge of the Sith is happening right there. And we jump ahead an unknown amount of time because Jay, who was the Padawan who survived, is now more grown up and singing for this rock and roll band. So you would have to imagine that you know, at least 10 years have passed maybe. I mean, I'd say that I'm willing to believe that if we had to place it in the timeline, we would definitely place it closer to A New Hope than we would to Revenge of the Sith. So the Empire is still going strong, but probably by now, the seeds of rebellion have been planted and are starting to bear fruit. So yeah, that's where I would put it. And I'd love to hear what you think about this or any of the other takeaways I mentioned or anything else that strikes your fancy about Tatooine Rhapsody. Please chime in wherever you catch a comment section for this episode or at home base for the show at SW7X7.com. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it. As always, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. By seven is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.